content warning, this podcast contains mentions of racism, sexism, non-binary erasure, and a very brief mention of HIV-AIDS. Hi everyone, welcome to Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. Um, thanks again so much for tuning in. This is episode 30. Let me introduce to you our wonderful guest for today. It's Faris. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Hannah. Um, it's really awesome to be here. Thank you for being on. Um, so just for the record, what are your pronouns? Um, I go by the pronoun they, them. Um, because I identify as a feminine binary person. Right on. Um, so, just to, to get a little bit of a daily uh, expertise out of the way, um, you studied computer sciences. Let's let's start with that. And I feel like you know that's a very you know if you if you think of computer sciences and all of the like standard computer nerds, that's like a pretty masculine a little bit toxic and not that not that as a welcoming of queer people space is how do you how do you experience that um um it's all of all of the above things that you said is very true uh the only reason i choose to go that route was when i was in high school uh, i knew that like i'm very different uh even if i didn't have the language to really comprehend uh what i'm going through um, but I knew that to experiment and explore who I am as a person, as a queer body, I need to be independent, uh, especially financially independent from my parents. So I wanted to go to the STEM direction, like, you know, be this very super technical person um, that, that, that I can generate money so that I can be independent. So that's my only reason. <laughs> uh for me to be pro, pro, uh, for me to produce things and then to be productive and then make money and be financially independent so that I can be like uh, my own person well that sounds like a lot to power through though I mean I've I've tried to go the your route like I've tried uh, I tried picking a study based on the opportunity to get a job and be financially independent but god damn that made me miserable um yeah. how, how do you experience that it's horrible because it's like you know when you when you are born and raised in Ethiopia. I'm originally from Ethiopia, so it's like you know the options. Education is the way, only way out. So I, I took that very seriously, as hard as it was. But uh, at that time, that's what I believe. That's my only way um, to be independent. So whatever that came to my directions, I took it and powered through. How do you how do you cope? Because I believe like if if you if you're doing something you don't actually enjoy, there must be things you do to compensate and things you do enjoy, right? Absolutely. Um, my coping mechanism was uh, my activisms and advocacy work with uh, with my queer siblings back home. Uh, I actually also financed uh, financed my activism work out of the money that I make from the IT business. So all right, so it's actually paying off. Yeah, so that, that you know, it, it did serve its purpose. So I was very happy to just, you know, go through with it. All right, that's all good to hear. Um, I mean, I kind of yeah. guess that's uh, how it could have gone with for me as well. I mean, I wasn't as politically active back back in the day. I actually studied uh, before I 
went into journalism. I used to study to become like a German teacher. So, you know, I, I like the language. I don't mm-hmm. like dealing with 30 kids at a time because kids are terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, um, I wonder what would have become of me if I actually would have been able to get a stable job and fund activism in the same way as you. Maybe, I, you know, maybe I would have been able to do this podcast in the same way just because, it, you know, I was able to finance it. Um, either way enough about myself we'll get a whole we'll we'll get into your activism more later on but first you know this is a music show after all let's get the first track of the day going a true classic maybe one of the best songs ever to be released here's Prince Purple Rain feels kind of weird usually i actually let this song play out for like a minute and a half like a verse and a chorus because you know 
songs can only be played that long with the with the legal licensing that I've got. But for this one, just gotta gotta get in, gotta get in that, that that three minutes. You know, it it feels weird not playing the full eight minutes because that's obviously what this track deserves. But you know, we kind of get the need to get this conversation actually going before we just listen to Prince's entire discography for the upcoming hour. Um, so, Faris, oh wait, is the is the guitar solo coming on? Let's put it back. Yes, yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, goddamn! This is such a get right track. Okay. So iconic, iconic indeed, um, his purple highness. So why did you why did you decide to to get this track on the show? Um, aside like the message of the uh, the song, the lyrics and everything, but like you know Prince as a person, I can like you know I relate to him a lot. He's very his own uh, person. Um, never afraid to express himself in a way that is very valid for him. Uh, didn't follow all the rules and regulations and actually uh, one of a very few inspiring artists that I look up to um, for inspirations. For me, like, you know, all this political work that I do and everything, I, I feel like, you know, people like um, Prince uh, live this life. Right, yeah. Uh, a practical term so i'm really drawn to his work um uh, but like purple rain is also like um it's like i i it has a very special place for me yeah it makes absolute sense i mean we um briefly touched upon it's nick and i in our previous episode we talked about uh how androgyny is like such a powerful uh addition to music um however it could also be like a little bit a part of a marketing uh, I read an interview with Prince from like back in the 1990s where uh, someone asked, all right, so this this androgynous thing that you've got going on, how much of that is you or is there some branding going on? And he, uh, the way he explained it, I just kind of thought was very telling for his personality because, you know, the way they put it, it was just, all right, so he took a deep breath took a minute to recollect himself, you know, gather his thoughts on the subject mm -hmm. and said, well, I'm just being the Gemini that I am. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you could interpret that as, okay, is this, is the androgyny part of the Gemini thing or is like the, the, uh, the stereotype two faced Gemini type of type of trope is <laughs> like, okay, is it, is it authentic or is he fully aware that he's uh that, that that could be considered a marketing strategy like because you know apart from a great absolutely fantastic musician was also like a very clever uh business person like he know how to promote his work um yeah. how do you feel about that um i think like i mean like i i absolutely believe that like you know as genuinely he's the that kind of person um that's understand and see worlds in a very fluid manner but like you know even like you know if it is uh, a marketing strategies it's also absolutely a quite a brave one to take uh i must i must say so whichever directions he took it i think uh it's really fantastic in my opinion because you know you know he's a very super talented person um personally i don't believe that he needs 
marketing strategy uh, for to sell what he's doing. Um, but even if he needed and then decided consciously to do that, I think it's such a brave and very dangerous uh, marketing strategy on the time that he was uh, around. So kudos, Bozway. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I get where you're going from this. I mean, this track specifically was released 1984. Which means, you know, he was still rocking or, yeah, I guess he's always yeah. just kind of done that. He was still rocking that that very androgynous um, style, even yeah. though, you know, at the year this was released, we were in like the peak of the HIV AIDS crisis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sticking with the, the androgynous kind of queer look at a time where queer people were even more stigmatized than they already were, like that does show some bravery. Yeah, I, but yeah, you know, even, even if like, you know, I also like, you know, see and criticize a bit of also his stand on queerness, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I find it hard to deal with people who are being like kind of fake about things. It's like, okay, just give me a clear answer. Stop playing these mind games about whether or not you actually identify queer, but it's not up to me to decide, right? If people don't, Absolutely. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. if if you want, if people want to stay vague, including Prince, including David Bowie, including you know all of, a lot of other artists who are deliberately vague about things, because they're right, it's none of my fucking business. Um, yeah, we so, don't owe our outing for um, heteronormativity. Exactly, exactly. But let's get into your activism. I mean, you told me a bit brief. You told me about that a little bit already. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just start with the letters A-R-A, -A, the uh, um, Afro Rainbow Austria. Um, yes, Afro Rainbow Austria. So um, you live in well, Austria now. How did it all come to be? Actually, yeah, um, yeah um, I, I think it came to be out of necessity because um, Austria is, um, you know, like inherently white space. And, and and then as a queer also like you know when you're also really small like you know make it small and then and then and then work on the marginalized people then like you know you can imagine how it's gonna get a little bit more smaller uh the issue the underlined issue of um, um black uh, being black and african and uh queer so it started as a uh, like an you know, out of necessity like it was very important it was a very much needed uh collective uh so like it's the so that's why that's why it's also like you know uh the first organization established by and for african lgbtiq in austria and then like our aim is also like you know to create uh, very communicative and interactive platforms that really center black and brown and um, queer people with African descent directly from the continent Africa and the Caribbean um, with refugee background and migrant background. So we wanted to center um, ourselves and really work on an issue that is really um, centering and more importantly, create a space that are safe and that body like me can come together and uh, somehow relax a bit because it's like, you know, ev everywhere that you go, you do this kind of um, adjustment like that you need to do. Like, you know, you just 
process your environment and like you know you switch codes you speak differently you move your body differently and all of this kind of things and that really has a huge impact in our mental health and on physical health um and who we are as a person and it's absolutely very important to have a place where people can simply come and then see themselves automatically uh unapologetically without censoring themselves so right yes kind of a the initiative to you know, you're always moving through different white spaces and you know it's like the power of creating a space in which you just kind kind of let your guard down absolutely yes yeah um from what i gathered you've actually been quite successful in that uh so you've participated in like the the wien Artwoche, the christopher street parades like you do public speaking all that um what are some personal highlights um personal highlights um just this year also like we've been doing so many things uh again personal highlights would be like you know our participation again on the Vinvoche, uh an art- activist and art collective festival um we took actively uh, part in that um by telling stories uh that are very um important and really center also the knowledge the ancestral knowledge that we uh, as a queer body uh, have but also in a very small way austria was a little bit also uh, loose and then we were able to do some physical activities so we launched our um indigenous language um teaching sessions and also our african kitchens uh, from there uh i bet that it's not just the ability to express your own uh background but also you know kind of create a social space uh i mean yeah absolutely because that's also the main intention of it because still even if like you know there is this like you know very delusion that a lot of people think like you know being queer uh and existing in europe is very easy and we can go and like you know do all about our lives without being if only. subject to any kind of problems that's a lie <laughs> <laughs> and um there is like you know the majority of our member cannot even be public um because of the security issues so So we really do focus on creating a very safe and secure space uh, where these bodies can just come to that space and be their queer, uh, queer self and not be judged for it and be themselves. So yeah, we focus on the social aspect of it actually in a very, uh, very concrete way. So we do speed dating programs, we do uh, food, we do... Um, different kinds of activities outside of like you know the uh, political activity that we do so is there like one specific song that you uh, associate with your with with ARA like i don't know is there some kind of um some kind of ARA anthem some song that always comes back to you at uh, or or is a, a popular uh, like a, an audience favorite during your events Poof. um Um I I mean like um I mean, there there comes so many. I think we might the majority of times we focus on um music that center the continent Africa. Right. Um that's our really like uh, really well known and really uh, common ground but Uh, do I have a specific uh, background sound? No, I think it's. The, I think the specific background is like the Afrobeats um, musics for Afro Rainbow. 
All right, all yeah. right. Just uh, some 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 background music that are like a common denominator. Do you have any artists in mind? Because you know, if I'm looking at the list that you've sent me, um, I'm thinking artists like uh, Fatima Diawara, maybe Fela Kuti as well, something along those lines. Yeah, the reason I also choose Fatima is like I I'm also like so she's originally from Mali and then also like very uh, attached also specifically to this uh, song because she she shoot the video in Ethiopia right and, and then uh, one of my favorite female director in Ethiopia directed it and uh, it's such a beautiful uh, video uh, that was shot in the Afar Danakil area but yeah, um, um, yeah. Yeah, Fatima uh, Diawara had a great year, though, last year, right? Uh, I mean, I feel like, especially, you know, me coming from my Western European perspective, there were so many hits that she's had, she's had on, 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 like, Dutch radio particular alone, like, largely because of her collaborations with Gorillaz, with Disclosure, obviously. But, you know, I, I feel like with everything going on, she had she had some major successes in 2020. Yeah, she's. I, but I think like prior to 2020, she's since 2018, 2019, she's been working her ass off, and I think she would have had like a lot more projective uh, projection with the going to the tours and everything and all that kind of things. And I'm sure she's canceling a lot of uh, events due to the COVID. But uh, I remember. Uh, like really watching her works a lot because she shot it in 2018, for instance, this video. And I, right. I remember the work she took and the amount of love and the amount of love she poured into it and the amount of creative people that were involved to this work um, was really amazing. And I think, I believe she is even suffering from the COVID. Uh, she would have been even oh, yeah. really like, shooting yeah definitely i mean i'm i'm kind of um looking back at what i said literally a minute ago i feel so ignorant because the way i mentioned it it made it sound like this artist who's been like you said working her ass off for like the past past years releasing her first album like what 10 years ago maybe and now all of a sudden made it big because of her collaboration with white artists like that's such a ignorant thing to say and i'm sorry about it uh, i mean like uh yeah it's um i mean i i don't believe there is an intention to be all, all, all uh, ignorant but yeah yeah no of course there never is but that's the point with ignorance right you, there is yeah. never any intention yeah. there is just some some uh some things i should have been more aware about and think before i speak um either way um let's get on to Moses Sumney, track number two, a queer artist. I know we've had Moses Sumney on a track before, episode eight. Go check that out. Give it a listen. But for now, let's get this track going. Cut Me by Moses Sumney. Oh, mm-hmm. 
kisses are how I That's Cut Me by Moses Sumney. Yeah, without without beating around the bush, why did you choose this track, uh, Faris? Um, I love his voice. Um, and then also, like, you know, I, lo- I love how he expresses himself. Um, and then also, like, you know, as a refugee myself, him being, like, you know, a migrant child in the U.S., um, I relate to him a lot, and particularly this, uh, the like you know, the falsetto that he is using is amazing. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's very skilled. Um, I get what you're what you're coming from because in this track in particular, he like explicitly mentions being an immigrant son and all that. And I don't know the precise yeah. lyrics, but um, yeah. I really enjoy his like almost some kind of audio landscaping that he's doing, like these very rhythmic, very short pieces of brass going on. Yeah, just music, musically, it's great as well. Um, yeah. Do you remember your first encounter with Moses Sumney? Like when, when was the first time you heard his music? Uh, the first time I, wo- I, I heard his music is actually was uh, suggested by my partner. Um, he listens to it and then he said, like, I think you would fall in love with this person. And he sent it my way uh, just a year and a half ago. And I, he was absolutely right. <laughs> I, I fall in love with him. So I was, as I've been obsessed with him. I follow him on Instagram, everywhere, all his uh, work. Um, he's really fantastic. So the first time I knew about him is a year and a half ago and through my partner. Right. So, um, you know, this is, it's a very artsy uh, approach to like um, pop music. Um, mm-hmm. How does your music, uh, how does the music you listen to influence your own, you know, artistic endeavors? Uh, my, my taste is very eclectic. So it's all over the place. Uh, I love pop. Um, and then it goes all over the place, starting from the jazz, 
Um, I really love ETO Jazz because I literally grew up um, around to it because uh, because of the Mulatwa Statke works and all the things that he does in Ethiopia. Um, and to R&B, to um, a little bit like you know rock, like from the alternative section of it, and and also like you know the Ethiopian uh, this five genre that we have like tizita and everything, so many different. We have five different genres, so it's I jump around from places to places, and I think it's it's really translate into the person that I am. I'm a very fluid person. Um, right. I like to surround myself with different aspect of who I am or aspect of being human. And uh, I think the same reflect on the, my music test also. I can't, like, you know, if somebody is really humming and, and doing all of these kind of things, I'll be really drawn to that. Right. <laughs> so is your... Um... Your your eclectic taste in music, like, does that reflect on, for example, your for performance art pieces? Like, are those like very varying and different and all over the place as well? Yes, absolutely. Like, uh, for instance, I have one uh, per performance piece uh, called uh, Skin, uh, which touch from a work that I did with um, with some light sound effect to. Uh, Nina Simone for women to um, Linda Caprada work. So it's it's like you know it's it goes into uh, different places. Yeah. Right on. How about you know uh, this this being the section uh, favorite queer artist? How about your own queer experience? Um, for example, how do you experience gender? <laughs> Yeah, it's a big How question. Do isn't I it? experience gender. Well, I experience gender in a very complicated way. I'm still unraveling and really excavating and trying to learn how that is. Um, there are days I kind of feel like, oh, I've got this, I understand and what it is. And then there are days I'm absolutely confused about a lot of things. Um, but my understanding is or like you know my relation with gender is still ongoing and it's very uh as like you know, it's very complex uh it's a everyday process that i excavate um but i i lead myself in 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 the knowledge the best thing i can do through the knowledge of that i don't know there are a lot of things that i really still do not know that i still need to excavate and really navigate so I have a very quote uh, that I always use is like, you know, the best thing I can do, the knowledgeable things I can do is to recognize that I don't know. So I mean, you, you make it sound like you're really embracing the fact that you just kind of don't know. And with that, um, my first thought is, okay, so you just kind of go with your gut, um, like really, really go with, you know, what feels right. Yeah. Is yeah, that difficult to pinpoint? Yeah, it doesn't always come easy, though. Like, there are times, there are, like, you know, issues that, like, would be really easier to follow my guts. And then also there are times that I really hesitate and really need to process things and everything. And I think that's the learning process is also about, like, more to listen to myself and really, like, you know, be in touch and in tune with who I am and with my inner selves and really listening to that in spite of what other voice around me and... uh 
in me um, whispering. As I said, there are times that it's easier to follow my guts and there are times it's very difficult. How do you, um, uh, how do you listen to yourself? Like what, 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 what's the process? <laughs> my inner selves are very loud. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Very, uh, I, I, I always uh, have a constant dialogue with myself. Uh, I take time to make decisions um, because these conversations always happens. Uh, there are times, yeah, uh, sometimes I miss it, sometimes I don't. Um, and and then the inner self says, I told you so. Uh, but how I do that conversation is at times with myself and then at times with people that I trust. All right. Um, so then yeah. we're back at maybe the important social aspect of the ARA. Yep. Yes, right. absolutely. Uh, as as it's individual, it is also it's collective. From my healing to also my advocacy work. Do you remember like um, the first time when that that just kind of hit you? Like, uh, was there a specific memory of oh, so this is how this is what gender is to me? This is oh, oh shit, I'm not cis. Basically, do you remember that first thought? Um, yes. Um, I think um, uh, it's 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 a quite very new actually. I mean, it's always been there, but uh, you know, growing up um, in Ethiopia and then also like you know, identifying as queer and also more dangerously advocating for it, being loud and saying something uh, that I deserve right. It it pretty much occupies your mind. Yeah. Um, and then as I um, flee for my life and came to Austria, and then I, 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 you know, when you go through the asylum seeking process, you kind of like need to sit with yourself. You're not allowed to do anything and everything as like, you know, as that is difficult, but also I took time to just really listen to myself and really navigate and process because I was in a space where I'm not worried about like, you know, I'm going to be killed for who I am. So uh, it's, it's start resurfacing a lot of things um, that I experience. For instance, I remember when I was uh, seven uh, with my siblings, my, with my biological siblings at home, when the light goes off, like, you know, we are like, you know, doing this candlelight and like, you know, everybody talks about like, you know, what they want and everything. And I remember like, you know, uh, I came from a um, very Pentecostal or Protestant family background. And one of my sister was asking, like, you know, what would you ask God to change about you? And then I remember I would say, I, I said, like, I would, I would ask God, like, why did you create me a boy? And I remember the awkward silence in everybody. And um, also, like, you know, as an activist also, um, you know, through my expressions and everything. So also the, the same kind of um, femphobia I used to experience within my own community. And I also, some to a certain degree levels, also internalized it. And uh, I remember one of my friends asked me, like, you know, uh, do you identify as a trans person? And then, me, and then me being offended, no, why would you say that? And that kind of things. Because of, you know, my lack of... Um, learning and healing and really understanding myself so it's um 
I think, yeah, so it, it came from having a physical space where you can just sit and then not worried about your um, physical security gives me a space to think all of these things and really heal. And um, so the more I heal, the more I find a space to heal, the more I become in tune with my gender expressions and the more I dare to express myself. Um, yeah. Right on. Um, what uh, did music play a role in that? For example, some artists that really help you like work through all of the pain and struggles, or um, maybe some some tunes that felt in particularly empowering to you. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like you know, the majority of the the, the pop, like you know, Lady Gaga uh, played a huge role. Um, Beyonce play, uh, played a huge role. Specifically, Beyonce is also like you know, uh, back in two thousand, um, Ethiopian Kalan. No, sorry, on uh, European calendar back in 2007. In Ethiopia, we have our own calendar. Right, and yeah. we are seven years and uh, during leap years, eight years behind. And when we celebrate our 2000 millennium, uh, she, uh, she was part of the, it was a whole year celebration and she was part of the lineup that came. Yeah, it was, uh, I, uh, I saw two, two of Rihanna and uh, Beyonce. So, but the Beyonce is something else. Yeah, that's uh, like on a whole different level. Like, I, I, I get it. But then I, I'm kind of gotten my, my timeline off. I mean, obviously we don't know each other too well, but I just kind of assumed that you had been living in Austria longer than, I, than, than apparently you have been. I, I moved to Austria in 2017. Ah, all right. That's really recent then. But yeah, no, that's so cool. Like, um, uh, before we get into more more details on the on 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 concerts and all that, um, let's play another concert experience. At least a concert experience that I really enjoyed. Like when I when I saw her play live, it's Paracente by Lineke.
colorida Pra te celebrar Sei até O que causa alvoroço Daí vai dar pé Aventura faz bem pro ori Sua escama nova Brilha além do peixe Pra te dar parabéns Pra te ver mergulhar Fica I couldn't agree more. Um, Dini Kid, I've, uh, me, myself, I've seen her uh, at a festival back in 2019, um, somewhere in the Netherlands, um, together with her um, equally lovely Caramelos. And, you know, it, this, this track wasn't representative of the vibe then because, you know, that was just like a full-on party and everyone bouncing the way you do at a festival. But um, you, Faris, told me you're obsessed with her. Take it away. Why? How? Um, I, I, I think it's also like, you know, she's also part of an artist that helps me to really be comfortable with my gender expressions and identities process. I came, I came across uh, to her work back in 2019. I mean, like, you know, 100% I, I don't understand what she's saying <laughs> because I don't speak Portuguese. But, you know, music is an international language, so I, it really uh, moves me. Um, and then through her also, I get to know uh, Linda, uh, Linda, Nileka, uh, Linda uh, Lee Cabrada, and, you know, both of them are amazing trans femme um, artists from, from um, Brazil that are like, you know, that we literally, you know, I mean, also like, you know, her, also the grace and her beautiful uh, voice. Uh, and But like, you know, how also she like, you know, really gracefully take herself through the world is I can relate to that in a, in a very profound way. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's such a powerful presence, like, uh, like it's just her entire being. It's um, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm. I might have missed a thing or two that she actually did when when it came to moments that might not have been um, that might have been vulnerable in which she shows you know some vulnerability. But from what I've what I've seen of her, like it's always a very powerful, like really living your truth kind of presence. In a very kind, in a very subtle and really peaceful way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like this this track in particular as well. It it sounds very soothing. Yes, even her body, how she move her body and how even like, you know, notice the audience and smile is beautiful. So you've mentioned uh, uh, the way uh, Lineker in particular, like the way she is like very subtle and like um, soothing when, when it comes to the way she moves her body to music. How uh, does that relate to um, other other examples of black women in in music because you know uh, when we talked earlier you mentioned the 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 web video like that's i feel like that's a completely different um approach i don't know what's going on in pop culture like i just i, I tend to miss a lot of things so um talk me through your thoughts like how does the web video relate to feminism um I mean, like, you know, generally speaking for me, uh, pop culture is like uh, all these political educations and theories aspect of uh, feminism or also like, you know, just, you know, liberty at large or like body autonomy, uh, autonomy at large. 
uh, the pop cultures, uh, for me, gives me uh, an example where you can just really apply the theory and then uh, see it like, you know, really like um, manifesting in, in our real life. So that's why I really like the, uh, the uh, other than the music. But uh, that's also what draws me to their life because they draw a lot of attentions. And, and through that, there is always um, a resistance. And also there is like, you know, there is this push, like, you know, the, the system that is, you know, super white supremacist and patriotic and misogynistic and misogyny did does one push and then and the other side uh, also push back. And, and this dynamic really is a very uh, good place to be and really like, you know, see the theory, theoretical educations of uh, political educations of uh, feminism, liberty uh, at large, and, and then gives you an option really like, you know, to give an example and discuss things in a more practical term. Um, and, but like, you know, to be particularly on the WAP, I have, I have a very different also like, you know, I mean, like, you know, I'm very, uh, up for it, it's about like, you know, um, in, you know, taking power and really like demanding and autonomy, it's really fantastic. And also, but like, you know, from also from the musical industry and from the pop culture or aspect of it also, I see it in a, in a also in a very uh, intersectional way and seeing it like, you know, we can go like, you know, I was listening to this, um, online uh, amazing platforms run by a, a black woman um, called Kimberly. It's called uh, For Harriet. And I remember she, uh, her uh, discussing the WAP and she brought up this, uh, she did her own research and then like, you know, for the past 20 to 25 years, like, you know, all these big hit numbers uh, that that has been done by a black body, by a black woman, or black femme body, it's like you know it, f it fell into this of um, being sexually expl explicit and everything, and it kind of uh, deny the ability this black body uh, to jump into genre, a different genre and then be successful. Because if you see, there are so many um, brilliant work that has been done by black women and black femme body or black people in general. Uh, it's kind of very hard for them to just hit this really like number one and really like amazing um, records and, 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 you know, driving all this attention throughout the world. But it seems to be always, you know, on this, the category is very narrow. I'm, I'm very skeptical about that view, uh, but like, you know, I'm all up for uh, Caribbean, Megan uh, the Stallion, taking up spaces and being the autonomous self they are and saying, uh, I mean, you know, if you go to lyrics by lyrics, it says like, it's very demanding. It's very uh, body autonomy. Uh, and I love that about it. But I also at the same time criticize the, the machine behind it. Personally, I don't have a problem with the, the, the sexual explicit. It's like, you know, I'm really up for it. More like what I'm also like, you know, discussing is like, you know, like, you know, if we're talking about the, uh, the body autonomy uh, and then I think people should be allowed to really manifest in so many genre and then like, you know, really get the, a lot of um, positive uh, response.
right? Like, you know, for me, for instance, like, you know, Lauren Hill, I, you know, I gotta have a peace of mind. It's an amazing record for me. It's like literally like, you know, an, like an anthem song for me. And, but like, you know, the amount of attentions that it gets and also how it hits and everything, even within the Lauren Hill uh, disc- discography and who like, you know, her body of work. I mean, Miseducation is like, you know, really very popular. Ask me for me, it's also, I prefer the Unplugged album of, uh, Lauren Hill because that speaks to my souls very well but like you know how that not that is not pushed and really not really become a hit I, I have a problem with that okay um, yeah that makes sense yeah so and then also the same way like you know there are like so many white uh, female artists they can literally be anything and, and they can manifest in any shape and forms and they're always going to be a hit right right so, yeah All right, like the the fact that um, black women need to be uh, sexually explicit in order to be successful. So um, before we dive into uh, track number four, like the last one, it's um, gonna be Dua Silly. Uh, what's the what's the title again? All right, Sugar Mama. Uh, we're thirty episodes in, but um, I don't even know how many or how little actually uh, explicitly non-binary non-binary artists we've had in this show. Um, so yeah, I really want to jump on the opportunity to play their music. Um, from Sudan, um, raised in, well, raised in a Muslim family in the US. So, you know, on top of a explicit lack in non-binary representation on this show, also not a lot of Muslim representation going on. Um, yeah. Um, there is some, I've got something in, in the works to, to counter that bit. Um, so, you know, a little bit of a teaser, uh, look out for episode, uh, 33 it's coming up. Um, but yeah, why, why do you love this artist in particular? Why, what, what makes this, uh, this song, um, stand out to you? Um, on, on, like, you know, there, there, there is a very, very particular reason that I really drawn to this artist, like, you know, on above all of the things that you said, uh, I'm also like, you know, me as being an artist and non-binary person, um, I got drawn to them. And then also like, you know, the, um, the migrants, uh, um, uh background also drawn to me, but like, uh, also specifically one thing's really drawn to me is also, Um, I, 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 uh, their work came to me in a time where I was, where I, where, where I'm being intentional about who I, um, push on my platform. Um, because, uh, oftentimes also, the, uh, heteronormative artists, uh, kind of appropriate the non-binary artist and they do this little twig in their, uh, body of on their body of work and then they become a hit uh, while capitalizing on the non-binaries and trans artists. So I made a personal commitment to um, really push and promote or like, you know, really like, you know, highlight body like mine, artists like mine uh, who are non-binaries, gender non-confirming, trans, um, queer, black, So um, they came in a very critical time uh, where I just decided, you know what, um, every Sunday on my platforms, I'm going to share one uh, non-binary, transgender, non-confirming Black uh, migrant person um, because they really deserve their flower while they're here. 
because they, I, I believe they contribute hugely to the pop culture or to music cultures in general, and they've never got their flower while they're still alive. And that needs to be changed. Um, so that's why I'm very passionate about this artist. Do you want to throw in a little plug there? Where can people find these these platforms where you push these artists? I, uh, I mean, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm pushing them on my Instagram, Facebook, um, and Twitter, and also um, my uh, podcast is called Flyism. Um, throw in, uh, we'll we'll throw a link in the show notes to all of those things. Uh, yes, okay, I will put my link tree. So yeah, um, that's about does it for today. Uh, thank you so much again for listening to Queer Sounds. Um, if you want more of this sweet, sweet content, you can check it out on our socials. That's at Queer Sounds Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Um, if you want to get in touch directly, uh, you can email to queersoundspod at gmail.com. Uh, what else is there to mention? Oh, yes, of course. Um, if you want some fun Queer Sound stickers, if you want to get a say in what songs we'll play on the show, uh, if you want access to um, bonus materials, behind-the-scenes content, you can you can support the show financially. That's patreon.com slash queersounds. For now, this has been it, and uh, thank you again for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. I have a friendly neighbor. She want to be my savior. Her daddy always warns about my family's behavior. She wonders about my flavor. Those chocolate-coated layers She looks me up and down Her pussy melting like a glacier Bodacious belly flopper Her daddy flies a chopper She talks about her charities And work he has to offer She dining, eating lobster Gold accents on her romper Her hands soaked in that metal bowl Absorbing all that copper Shower caps and faucets Water in her socket Not used to girls with stringy hair I like them in a bonnet Super says not flossy Skin not gleaming glossy Slather soupy liquid on your legs Because it's frosty Persistent halitosis Perplexing braggadocious Clunky chunky clatter Coupled with that new explosive Critters always jibber jabber About her candy coaxing Diddy's kitty little Wild kitten smell like sausage It's nasty that's gross, all them pineapples are hoes. That's nasty, that's gross. Why them pineapples are hoes? That's nasty, that's gross. Why them pineapples are hoes? How nasty, that's gross. All them pineapples are hoes. Climbing up the rankings, attitude untainted. Getting kind of popular among the local flagrants. Trampling temptations, tugging at your patience. Looking at those turtle claws, luxury turn latent. Spreading them legs like butter, squirting from your udders. Creaming extra heavy, cause my head game extra gutter. Bitch, I'll never stutter, don't you ever mutter. Nothing about my people, cause I'll hit you with that da 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 da. Da 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 da. Da 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 da.